industry. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily appeased. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next... Creature Features, a horror discussion from geeksoftheindustry.com, and now your host, Chunky Larry. Greetings fellow insomniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com. I am your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and in this episode, I have the luxury of being able to speak with an actor who has uh, kind of run the gambit in a very short amount of time, uh, from everything from television to major theatrical releases, but I feel his bread and butter, at least currently, is within the world of independent horror, which is a place that I particularly enjoy because some of the most interesting voices come out of independent horror. And I, and I absolutely feel that uh, my guest this week, or this episode, is completely that. Um, he's a father, an actor, and a musician, and a person that I can't wait to learn more about, Mr. Jimmy Dempster. How you doing, man? Hey, how you, buddy? Thanks I'm for having me. I'm man. fucking chilling, dude, and I, I'm glad that we were able to figure this out. Um, you know, I know that you're a very busy man, and and such is the case for you know anybody that works uh, in the field that you work. And and I, I'll say this: I think that independent actors and filmmakers work a lot harder than the actors and filmmakers that work in the studios. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when when you've established your name in in the system, you know, people recognize your face and they they have this kind of preconceived notion of what kind of character you are. And 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 basically what I'm saying is like uh for example, just grabbing a random name out of the hat, uh, Steve Carell. You know what Steve Carell is going to offer a movie. So you're either, you know, you're going to get, you know, the artsy fartsy, you know, solemn, you know, movies that he does, or wacky fucking Steve Martin ripoff guy. Uh, that, you know, that's that's what you get with the Steve Carell. You know that when you go into one of his movies. You, you have this preconceived notion of, of who that person is. With 
an independent actor, um, they have to try, I feel, a lot harder um, to establish a name and a brand. And essentially, you know, without it just being a statement and me making it a question, uh, what I wanted to know, and, and this is something that I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, young and aspiring actors would be interested to know, is when when going out and working the system, what is your what is your mindset of establishing yourself and building, say, a brand? I mean, it's good to have an identity. I think no matter what genre you're in, um, starting out, like I'm glad you mentioned that because starting out, especially, that's actually the first thing that they, well, at least they did in my class, in acting class. That's one of the first things they do, is they bring you up in front of the class one one by one. And uh, they have the rest of the class look at you and they take like a little notepad and they just tell you to stand there. Mm. Stand. Don't overdo it. Don't make a mean face. Don't smile. Nothing. Just be natural. And then everyone in the room has to write down what they see you as. Mm -hmm. uh, the dad, the, the killer, the, 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 you know, baby, whatever. Um, and it, nine times, out of, you know, and, and if the people in that room is all actors and aspiring actors, if, if they put a face on you, then that's more than likely what the casting director is going to give you. Mm hmm. Like a lot of times before they've even met you, they'll see pictures and be like, "Oh my God, look at this guy!" And right away you're 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 going to be. And it took me, I, I want to say, like my starting out, my first year or two, I really just wanted to do everything I could, mm -hmm. uh, get get as much exposure and get as much uh, experience as I could. It's only within the last year, this year especially, that I've been getting calls. People say, "Hey, I saw you on Swamp Murders. I, you know, I really would like you to come in for this." and and that's really when you can have that identity, it's really rad to be able to do that because it, it's easier too, as opposed to running around to auditions and which I don't mind. But it's, you know, hey, let's face it. If you could get a call and say, hey, you know, here's the offer and, <laughs> you know, here's the part and what do you think? And yeah. And, and a lot of, uh, like you said, is it's bouncing around from place to place, uh, you know, and having to make your, your time a little bit more accessible than you know, an established star who can kind of pick and choose what they want to do. It, like, uh, Adam Sandler's a, a perfect example of this, where uh, the last couple of films that were released in theaters that he did, I, I like to call them vacation pictures. And, and what I mean by that is that it seems like it's the same kind of, you know, cliche plot, but just put in this lush location because... Like, say, for, like, Blended, he just wanted to go to Africa with his family. You know what I mean? And yeah. and that there's this, this thing where when you get to a certain point, you can pick and choose uh, what you want, you know, based on, you know, the location that they're going to be shooting and, you know, who you're going to be working opposite. You know, it, it's more about that as opposed to, I really need the work, you know, and I, I really want to get myself out there. And yeah. you know when you're when you're kind of coming up, I, I feel that uh, a good portion of the time you just want to make yourself as available as possible. I, I know that uh, as as a as a podcaster, uh, which the the two things are not the same, and, I, and I'm aware of that. But they're they're both slightly similar in the sense that you're creating entertainment for an audience to consume, and you you want to you know make yourself as like uh, I, this month alone in october 
I I couldn't even tell you how many episodes I've fucking released because I know it's Halloween and I do a horror podcast. So, you know, the Johnny Come Latelys, the the Fairweather fans of the genre, are you know having their eyes focused on on things, all things horror. So, yeah. you know, you you puff up your chest, you put your best foot forward, and you produce as much as you can. And you know, that's that's essentially I feel and you can enlighten me on if I'm how far off I am uh, what a, a aspiring actor or actress will do is they just they they put their foot in the doorway as much as they can to get into yeah. that into that room yeah be you know be available always be available be willing to travel that's a lot I mean a lot of times people start out and they'll be like <clears throat> Well, I want to be an actor or an actress, but you know, I really don't want to go here, and I really don't want to do that. It's one of those things where it's not going to come. You know, what's the old saying? Uh, opportunity never comes at a at a convenient time. Mm-hmm. It's the exact. It's the. It's so true for me, because there there'll be times when something will come in at like three in the morning, and then they want you to be on set like the next morning, like that like that day, and you just have to kind of work it out. It's a lot of. Um, it's a lot of rearranging, last minute, a lot of stuff. I think it's always going to be that way, though. I don't think that ever kind of, I don't think that that's ever going to go away, no matter how high up the ladder you get. It's always a little bit of uh, sacrifice. Mm. You know, and you, you being a parent, uh, which I know that you're a father, um, there's there's a whole different dynamic that goes into pursuing the career that you're pursuing you know, because you want to be in your family's life, and, you know, uh, that's something I can completely empathize with, uh, specifically, you know, wanting to serve all of these different masters, but realizing, and and the thing that I like to say is, I am a father, a husband, and then a podcaster in that specific order. You know, my children come before everything in my life. They come before my wife. They come before all of my aspirations and dreams. And, you know, a lot of the time, you feel like there, there's only so much of you to go around. You know what I mean? And it's like trying to grab onto sand and it's slipping through your hands. And, you know, you, I'm assuming, have probably missed opportunities because of your children. Yes? No? Um... Not to an extent, maybe, but I think it's a little bit easier now. Easier, you know, for lack of a better word. It always, it always sucks having to hop a flight late night, red, a red eye somewhere, and you know you're gonna miss a few days, or uh, you know that that's never fun mm-hmm. when you're on, you're on the road, or you're you're in another state or city because you have to work and then come back. That always sucks, no matter how old or young their their kids are. Yeah. But I think it's only slightly easier now because they're. They're a little bit older. They understand. My girls are 14 and 10, soon to be 11. Yeah, and, that's, uh, you get to a much more independent place at that point. Yeah. Once you get into the I mean, double digits. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit. And plus now, you know, my oldest especially, she's uh, she's actually done some acting herself. She does a little bit of theater now. She's done a couple of short films. She's actually been in a, a couple of films that I've done. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so that's you know when it works out, that's really cool. On the rare occasion we have the chance to work together, and that's even better. But, and uh, is there any advice that you would give your daughter that you wouldn't necessarily give to another actor? Uh, not really. I don't think there's much. 
I would have to say she's got a good head on her shoulders. I don't have to tell her like you know, hey, look, you know, beware of casting couches or anything stupid like that. Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it is a thing, uh, unfortunately. But uh, no, I I get that. It's just uh, you know, when when you go in, like I was a coach of my kid's soccer team, and I almost felt like I was harder on my kid than the rest of the kids because he's my kid, and I want more for him you know what i mean yeah so what essentially what i was what i was wanting is or what i was saying is you know is there something that you would do you know for her that you wouldn't necessarily do for someone else as far as you get what i mean yeah as far as acting because you want to get her to a level that you know she can reach and we always look at our kids as you know the greatest things ever made. I know that, you know, I look at my children as the greatest parts of me. You know, I, I aspire for them to be better than I ever was. So I tend to push them to reach that level rather than saying, oh, everything you do is great, honey. It's it's more of, you know, come no, on, not- you, you and I both know you can do better than that. That that's the way I talk to my kids, and and it's not like from a negative place, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, really? Are you really satisfied with that? I mean, I know we live in a weird culture now where everybody gets a trophy, but not in this family. Yeah, I <laughs> fucking hate that dude. Like, uh, that is the worst thing to me. Is you know, uh, participation trophies. I, I do not agree or accept those. They didn't have those coming up, and you know, we're not gonna. We're not going to do that now for them. I mean, matter. It's funny you mentioned that uh, you coached your. Uh, my wife coached my youngest daughter's cheer team for a couple seasons, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. It almost has to be harder on her. I mean, she's motivated and driven, but it's that weird thing where if you don't, uh, if you're not as hard on your kid or harder than a lot of the other moms, and people start whispering to say, "Oh, well, you know, you favoritism getting- and shit." Yeah, exactly. I'm not a big fan on that. I mean, there was a lot of opportunities where. My daughters and my wife could have been in some projects that I've done, mm. and I'm not a big fan of nepotism or anything like that. I mean, I've actually had to pull away. That's one thing I would do. If if there's anybody else who could be cast in the part who's better, you know, it's like my daughter or daughters or, or wife or anything. They don't. I try to keep them as far of it away from what I do as I can. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, uh, and if it's if it's a like a, a like a good fit, then sure. Because like we've done it, I think once or twice. My daughter, my oldest has been in two films that I've done, two feature films. Uh, the last one and Messiah, which will be out, I think, later this... Yeah, yeah, early next year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did you play anything like uh, like a father-daughter role in the movie? In either one of those? No, and that was that was one of the reasons why I kind of went with the okay. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, because we could kind of be different. Um, the last one, we... You know, she plays my daughter. We're uh, a family. My wife is actually in that as well. And that was just happened to be because they just happened to be on set with me. They went out to North Carolina with me and shot that. And they came to set one day to watch me work. And then director and DP come over and they're like, hey, uh, we got this idea. And it actually helped me out in a way, I guess, because it expanded my character. Mm-hmm. I went from having like a like wild, rabid, cannibal mountain man in the woods um, just murdering people to survive to, uh, well, I have like a clan of people and I have a family now too. And it's, it's just kind a, of, it, it emboldens your motivations. 
Yeah, definitely. Post-apocalyptic, really, really rad. And um, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll ask them and see how they feel about it. And this was, and they did, and they did them up, and they put them in the movie. And that was cool. And that was the only time that I mean, yeah, it's like we're a family, but we're a twisted family. It's not like the father's knows <laughs> father knows best type thing. Like, <laughs> and, and honestly, you know that that's one of the things is you never know what the good or bad that you're doing is, and and that's that's kind of a a thing that I feel isn't really touched on in films is that there is always that that you know thought in the back of your head is you know is this the right thing you know what i mean that and it's something that a lot of people that aren't parents don't really understand is that even if you feel like you're doing right by your kids there's always that lingering doubt in the back of your head of you know was i too easy on them or was i too hard on them you know it, it it's because you never know, it's the one turn of a phrase that could, you know, spark a, a and be the catalyst to something completely out of left field. And you could be thinking that you're doing it, like, you know, uh, one thing is uh, buying things for, for our children. Uh, when I buy something, you know, I, it's, it, I feel you have to earn it. But then there's some times where I just want to get them an ice cream. And uh, you, you don't have to earn a fucking ice cream, it's fucking ice cream. You know, and, and uh, you know, it's like, what? When do you pull back? When do you, when do you go forward? You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah. And I also I feel that that's kind of uh, with acting as well. The the technique of uh, pulling in your performance and internalizing it as opposed to playing it big. And I know that you started, you know, working as an extra. Um, it was in a zombie film, correct? Yeah, um, it was a. We did a zombie film in Florida. It was uh, Rockabilly Zombie Weekend, and and uh, so, I ended up getting DVD and all that. And you, you, as you had mentioned, kind of earlier in the conversation, did eventually do an acting class. But when you when you were, walked on as an extra, none of that experience was there, correct? Right, it was just yeah. kind of natural, organic performance and you just felt out what was right and then you know you kind of started to hone your craft once you realized that this was something that you wanted to do oh absolutely that's what i tell everybody that was that was the main thing i was on set and i was looking at the i was just basically listening taking everything in uh was looking at the principal actors i was listening to i was learning everything by kind of learned by doing Mm -hmm. that's kind of always been that way anyway um, you know, you, you don't learn to swim by reading the book or, you know, you got to get in there and do it. So, and here's a question that I, that I wanted to ask that I don't, I'm not sure if anyone else has asked you, uh, when doing this show or doing an interview, uh, what were you doing before you started acting? What kind of jobs was Jimmy Dempster doing? Over the years, I've done a little bit of everything, man. I've done the typical, uh, you know, washing dishes, worked in a kitchen, humping freight on a freight dock, uh, cooking. I did a lot of cook. I did some sous chef and line, uh, line work, prep, pizzas, uh, I, massage therapy. I got skilled in that a few years back. No shit. I did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, uh, I, I, I had really given some thought to doing that for a little while, but I didn't want to f- go to school because uh, the, the whole thing about going to school for massage therapy is you, 
uh, well, being a massage therapist kind of in general, you have to massage everybody. Like, if I was going to be a massage therapist, I'd only want to massage ladies, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is, it was easy for me because my wife told me for years. We've been together forever, and, you know, she was always telling me, you know, because when we're together and I give her massages and all that stuff, and she was always like, you should, you know, you should be a masseuse. You should do this professionally. This, mm-hmm. this went on for like the longest time and i was like yeah i don't know i don't know about that and then it's one of those things where i'm the kind of guy where i have to kind of want to do it uh like if somebody could tell me about something a million times and i'm like yeah that's nice but if it doesn't spark my interest right away um like a film or or a song or a band Mm. or something like one of those things i have to kind of pick up on my own and one day we're just like well you know i'm you know getting close to 30 and maybe i should start thinking about doing something here (laughs) Yeah, I got tired of just working. I can't work on the freight dock and work overnight at this place for forever, you know. So. Yeah, it kills your back. Yeah, it's no good. It's no yeah, fun. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, it's good that you had those experiences before getting into acting because it really, I assume, uh, makes you appreciate this journey a little bit more. You know, rather yeah. than being like a child actor and this being the only thing you knew, I, I feel that, you know, being in the real world and having to deal with all of that stuff really gives you kind of an understanding as to, you know, where you could be as opposed to where you are. You know, you can't have uh, the day without the night. Absolutely. Yeah. It always keeps you sharp. <laughs> keeps you on your toes. You're like, Hey man, this doesn't work out. You know, you always, <laughs> you know, you know what the other alternatives are. Exactly. <laughs> I can go back to massaging people. <laughs> soon that won't be there either you know it's just one of those, you can't even get a job like on a freight dock really anymore here for yeah. like a decent month. everybody's robot everything's robots now look at it look yeah. at fucking amazon you know they're, they're trying to have drones fly the fucking uh product to your house now it's just it's yeah. ridiculous yeah right yeah <laughs> but uh yeah man um once you once you started working you automatically started getting things like the originals, uh, you've also worked as an extra on uh, Fast Eight. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as you know working on an independent set as opposed to working on one of these major studio productions? You know, obviously you're still doing make pretend and being paid, I'm sure, handsomely to do that. But <clears throat> there, uh, I feel, is a little difference as far as um, input. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, as far as like, uh, like one of like a, a so-called big major Hollywood studio set or soundstage like that. Um, the you know it, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're lucky to ale or something like that, you're you're taken care of. You get a trailer, all that. But uh, when we did Fast Eight, that was the first thing that I jumped on when we moved here. Mm-hmm. We were here for. I think maybe a month or two and then I got booked on that and they were like, yeah, we need prison guards and we need uh, prisoners like mean looking rough types. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. And the cool thing about it is the soundstage that they were shooting at was what I could, I walked to the place every day. It's right down the street, right on, right on the street where we're living. That's nice. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. I don't have to worry about hotel. I don't have to worry about, cause when you're on there as an extra or featured or whatever it is, they don't often put you up in anything like that. You're like, you're just, happy to be there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Again, here you are. And the pay was a little bit better on that project than normal extras. I know a lot of guys that do that a lot. 
a lot of guys out here and other places too. They, I was like, how do you live off that? It's just, they do it all the time. And I, I can't do that. Mm. I try, I tried doing that. Like, well, you know, I figure maybe I could just kind of do this part time or because there's no shortage of work out here. If you want to be an extra, you could do it literally every day mm. if you want to. But I'm like, I can't be hanging around on set all day being treated like garbage for like 50 bucks or hot dog and a handshake kind of thing. It's just not worth it to me, man. I have too much, uh, just too much motivation. You know, you're just looking at it, you know, like, how do you go from like being the principal actor in a, in a film like the night before with like five, 10 minute, you know, monologues and then you're doing this and that and then you go hang around on set and I don't care how big the movie is. I just, I don't know. So yeah, it's not for, for like a, a minute or two of screen time at, at best. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> where you're just like, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> I talk about it. I, I dealt with it in Florida and there's a lot of guys here. It's like, God bless them. And I'm like, you know, more power to you, man. But I can't, I can't do that. I, uh, I tried. I tried to be like, well, I could just be on this set and this will be cool. You know, make, make a few bucks and meet some connections. And what I ended up doing is basically just making the best of my time mm-hmm. while I'm there as opposed to hanging around, you know, hanging out, hanging out in the break room and like talking on my phone and stuff like that. And I'd walk around and just kind of mingle with everybody. And it's really cool. You meet all kinds of people. You know, you'll meet like uh, photographers and you get with a DP and like I found an editor on there that I'm really good friends with, casting director. So you make the best of your time. It's not that bad. And a lot of the times, you know, I feel that it's those connections that you establish, you know, where they get to know you as a person uh, and they don't look at you as, you know, Oh, that's that's that actor guy. You know, it's like no, that's fucking Jimmy, and yeah. and that's refreshing. Yeah, it's, it's it's you're right. It's a lot better than uh, than somebody just kind of coming around. I mean, like on set, like I said, you meet all kinds. Yeah, the, depending on what's going on, you got the walk and talk and resume. The guy who tells you about everything he's done. Oh God, so douchey. <laughs> like okay, let me move away from this table. Yeah. Roll over here. Well, I just, I'm gonna really want to be a model, and I'm an actress, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, okay. like they're they're constantly on a job interview. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or, or the, my favorite is well, I'm I'm really a full time actor, model, uh, waitress, this, that, and the other thing, swimsuit, bikini model, brain surgeon. There's a hundred different things that they're doing. <laughs> extra work or this acting thing I'm doing here is just you know I'm, I'm just helping out for a friend or something like that. Like please, I'm yeah. just killing time. <laughs> I'm just killing time until my agent uh, books me in LA for this big project that's coming around. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> it's funny because I always say you never meet more real people on set, and then you'll also meet like <laughs> you'll meet some incredible uh, some other people out there mm-hmm. too. Man. The most fake plasticine people that you ever encountered. I can yeah, only it's, imagine. It's a weird dynamic. It really is because some of the best people in my life. I've ever met who I'm friends with to this day uh, have been through project and I've worked with them multiple times after that. And I've had the chance to, you know, I've been to their weddings and all that, you know, I've seen their kids and all that stuff. And then there's others. You're just like, Oh my God, get me out of here. (laughs) Why why am I here? (laughs) Uh, Now I know that a lot of your work, at at least as of right now, uh, it's primarily in the horror genre. Is that, a genre that you want to stay in or do you want to really kind of branch out from that or is that like kind of your first love it's weird because uh i just did an interview not that long ago and i was asked a similar question and i think 
my first love as far as film goes would probably be martial arts. Nice. I still remember, I still remember you know, we all loved Bruce Lee. I still remember as a kid, little kid, I had the nunchucks, I had the poster. Uh, so originally I would say horror was my original first love as far as film goes, but believe it or not, realistically, it's martial arts. I, I got into that for a long time after that. Like we all were, was incredibly inspired by you know Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. Yeah, like theater was big when I was a kid. That was I think on USA or one of the networks, and I'd be there every Saturday just like watching all the kung fu flicks. Um, but again, horror is like right up there. It's like a if I could have two number ones, uh, it's definitely a close second. And I just happened to get lucky, I guess, to fall into the genre for the past probably year, almost two years. The stuff that I've done has been primarily, predominantly horror, and I don't mind that. I don't mind sticking there. I mean, you know, it's it's a good market. You can have a good, uh, you can have a good run. You know, and see, uh, when I when I look at you, I think, you know, um, kind of like the heavy in a martial arts film. Uh, it's the ponytail and it's the facial hair that really you know, drive that idea home. So it's really interesting that you say martial arts. Uh, just, just as an aside, I, the, I was going to say something to the effect of, uh, would you ever want to, you know, be a villain in like a Jet Li movie or something like that. So it's funny that you say that martial arts is one of your first loves. Uh, in, in regards to horror, uh, what are the films that you enjoyed kind of coming up? Oh, I mean, I'm not sure uh, how old you are, but I'm a kid of the '80s. Same. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, that was back in the day when you, you know, you and your buddies, or even if you were by yourself, you just go out Friday, Saturday night before you're old enough to drink and hit the strip joints. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, before you could go to strip clubs, you went to the video store. <laughs> if you were lucky, the drive-in. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, if you weren't piling everybody in the back before the drive-in, these you know mom and pop video stores. Yeah. I'm like, I can't thank them enough. As we basically, that was my whole culture. Every weekend there was some new movie, you know, like the big VHS boom. You, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, and all the all the crazy stuff that was out there, all the video and all the stuff that basically, you know, you were told you can't watch or don't do. Mm-hmm. But that's what I did. <laughs> that's pretty much what I did. Yeah, that, dude, same thing. I, I I always looked for the movies that had the sticker on them that said banned in this amount of countries and banned in this amount of... It, like, that's, those were the ones like, oh, don't look at this. This is gory bullshit. I want that one. <laughs> you know, uh, Sleepaway Camp, I, I only watched it because there's a knife going through a tennis shoe and a letter writing home to mom and it just like that in itself i was just like yes i need that in my fucking life and you know i i fucking lived at the video store dude so it was you know i struck conversations up with the guys that worked there who hated their jobs and i was just i was a fucking kid in a candy store and literally that's how i became a fat guy because i was a kid in a candy store <laughs> <But> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I completely feel it. Uh, so, what I'm going to do, and, and I've only done this maybe like a handful of times, I want you to list off your top five horror films. And it, it, you know, I know that the list will change from one moment to the next, kind of, you know, depending on your mood and 
feeling how peckish you are, but just run from five to one uh, the movies that you've personally just loved coming up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I have a specific order you know, as far as the best to worst or like, you know, one to five. Um, number one right off the bat would be Exorcist. Nice. That's that's like right up at the top. Yeah, um, I, dude, that one, uh, the the whole scene in Africa, I it it takes it takes me right out of it. But once it starts cooking, it's it's one of the scariest movies fucking ever made. Yeah, it's so much so that they've been you know trying to recreate it and rip it off. I mean, every other weekend there's another you know the haunting of this and the possession of of that, and it's like the the haunting of this girl and based on actual events. And you're just like yeah, and it's like. PG thirteen cookie cutter, uh, you know they just it's cash grabs, man. Oh, I, I, yeah. Boo, boo. The Exorcist is a perfect setup. It starts off, you know, you, character development, you know, and then once the shit starts, it's just you go, like, what? Whoa, you know, I would have loved to have gone back and been a teenager in nineteen seventy three and have caught that like when it came out with all the buzz and all the all the shit around it and all the just to be in the middle of that would have been insane. I would have loved to have done that. Well, you guys, you also got to look at the the structure of old school horror, and it, you know, a lot of the times people equate it to a roller coaster ride, and essentially what happens when you're on a roller coaster, you're you're on that long ascent, and you're you're waiting for shit to happen, and it's building that tension. It's it's. You know, it's filling you with that dread because you know it's coming. It just hasn't happened yet. And then once that drop happens, that first initial drop, it doesn't let up until you get off that ride. And that's what good filmmaking could be. And and I feel that that's kind of a lost art because everybody's into instant gratification. You know, especially yeah. you know in in the world of social media, you you get these film projects where. They want to show you every fucking thing. Like, look at look at the fucking you know the money shot before you even see the movie. Like, I I, don't, I just I don't get it. You know, where's the suspense if I already know who lives and who dies? Yeah, you know I what I mean. That. I can't stand that. And you see it every week. There's another one out, and like you talk about the payoffs. Uh, one of the big problems I've seen in horror, or what they call horror now, is uh. They got the big slow build up, and then there's the music, and then the, the big boom is like just somebody jumping out of nowhere. Or like, uh, the, you know, how many times are we going to see the thing where they, you know, they open up the medicine cabinet mirror? Mm-hmm. There's nobody there, and they go to close it, and then there's like a harmless. Yep. And then- <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and you you nailed you hit the nail on the head. The the that use of music where you're building that jump scare, and everybody knows that the jump scare is coming. So is it really a jump scare? You know, and and I'd said, fuck, uh, I don't even remember who I said it to. But I was like, you know, uh, one of the things that I do with my kids is we have this rubber snake, and I, you know, will keep it in my pocket or something, and I'll pull it out and I'll toss it at one of my kids and go, snake! And they'll jump because, you know, it's it's startling. That doesn't make me a master of horror. That makes me an asshole. <laughs> yeah, it makes you an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, th- there's, there's a difference, you know, yeah. If if I were to you know set a stage, you know it's just like romance. You 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 don't go straight to fucking. You work your way up to it. You you foreplay. <laughs> what is wrong with fucking foreplay, you guys? 
I don't know. It's a lot of it is uh, as far as that genre goes, like like horror and stuff like that. A lot of that I found out over the years <clears throat> is uh, producers getting involved. Too mm-hmm. many cooks. Um, you know, they they want it quick, quick. You know, we got to get to the next scare. We got to get the next. It's like, come on, man. Who's going to care about these kids? They're essentially all the same. You set up a group of kids. You're supposed to care about them. Um, and then they get bumped off one by one if it's like a slasher or, or anything like that. Um, and if you don't care about what's going on, then you don't really care about the reveal or the or when it happens. It's like, I don't care about these characters. This is a body count movie, cannon fodder. <laughs> Kill them all. Exactly. All the characters, are just, I don't know. I don't remember the last time I, uh, I've i watched a good slasher or a good horror film where you actually care. Exorcist is a perfect example. You care. Mm-hmm. You care about you care about the little girl. William Freakin's a master. He's a, he's a pro. With the, I mean, you know, the source material that he had to work with, but setting the whole setup. It's all about the setup, man. You have to care. Otherwise, when she flips and starts ripping the whole family apart, you're just like, eh. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. Friedkin is a master of giving you enough character development that when it actually picks up, it really picks up. French Connection is a perfect example of that. And uh, same deal. You you get an investment into the people that you're supposed to be invested in. So when they're in danger, it's like you're in danger, and right. that that isn't that isn't the way that people do things anymore. You look at Jaws, one of the, in my opinion, one of the scariest horror films of all time, and not a lot fucking happens until right. the end of the movie. You know, it's it's mostly just tension without the payoff but once the payoff comes it fucking comes and it comes hard all over everywhere and it's in a big bad fucking way that that whole third act is predicated on the first two acts doing their job very well and that's that's always kind of a thing that i try to you know whenever i'm talking to independent filmmakers or actors or anything is uh you know, I, I'm always posing the question, what can be done to make horror scary again? And it, it sounds like you're on the same wavelength as me in, in regards to, you know, what works. Because I feel like we're both kind of old school in that sense. You know, we we come from a time when the the motive was to scare people. Rather than just jumping out of a fucking corner... Or like getting scared by a cat, you know what I mean? There's, oh, that aggravates the hell out of me, man. I mean, like like you mentioned, Jaws, perfect example. Uh, Exorcist. I think if you look back at those original trailers and the marketing for those movies, you're not going to see any money shots. Yeah, you don't. You don't know shit. (laughs) You don't see shit. You're just like, well, what's this about? And like the one for the Exorcist comes to mind. Because it's like, you know, in a small town, in Georgetown, in the f- family. And then you're like, okay. And then it's like, what happens in this room? And the whole marketing was on the room. One, mm-hmm. Once we get to that door and we push pull in, once we get to there, the, the shits are going to hit. You know, it's like, we don't know what it's going to be. But they weren't giving you nothing. Then they give you no spider walk. Then they give you uh, the crucifix scene. Then they give you none of that. And now, if that was to be marketed now, could you imagine it would be all that shit would be, you, know, you might have a teaser, and then by the time the trailer hit, and then it would be the, go online to watch the first 10 minutes, you know, and it's like, dude, stop giving me everything, man. What do you, <laughs> exactly. You know, expect people to come out and give all your money shots away, and then you 
over, you know, overdo it. And it's everywhere. It's on YouTube. It's on social media. People are sharing the trailer. They're commenting. And then I think by the time it hits, it never, never pays off. It could be the greatest thing. Yeah. I, I, I always, I always equate, um, horror to sex, which is probably some weird Freudian thing for me. But, um, it's like, it's like when you, uh, when you tell, a girl, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do all this and this, and I'm going to fucking rock your world and all this shit. And then you guys have sex, and you come really fast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, next time, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And they don't want next time. You, you, yeah, next you time. had one shot, dude. <laughs> you yeah. And, and that's that's the thing is, you know, filmmakers, they have, they have one opportunity to make a first impression and to let people know uh, no, to the to the knee, my man. And, and you know when you when you fucking blow your wad too soon, and you give him everything before you give them anything, you don't have anything else to give. So you know you, you keep your bag of tricks in your pocket. I I, I like to think of like uh, Alfred Hitchcock's trailer for Psycho, uh, where we're talking about you know trailers that don't give anything away. He walks through the set. And he, he's just telling you, oh, if some fucked up shit happens over here, just wait, there's, there's going to be some shit. But you don't see a goddamn thing. And then, you know, his, his marketing for that was, don't tell your friends what fucking goes down in this, or I'll come and find you and I'll kill you. Like, like he literally says that shit. So, you know, that's, that is not done anymore. Now it's like, please tell everybody. Here, here's a link where you, here's a button. You, you just have to press this button and it'll end up on your timeline. <laughs> it's just, stop it. <laughs> yeah, man. And again, too, it's like, there's a reason why we're still talking about those movies 40, 50, 60 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond is because they were just, and, and compared to now, nobody's going to be talking about these, these quickly, highly produced, you know, there's like little to no, there's no soul to them. They just, they put them together overnight and they slap them out there. They got to have that big $20 million rope. I, mean, I get it. I understand because I've seen both sides. I get it. But it's like, there's got to be a point where somebody has to come out and be like, you know, hey man, we need to do something with the horror genre again or any genre. Anything that's like lacking or being repetitive is like a lot of copy and paste out there. You mm-hmm. know? Somebody just has to come out and be like, Look, man, let's just do this. Let's not worry about the numbers. Let's just, I mean, low risk, lower, but no, you can't have that. They don't want to hear that. You want to hear, we want 20, 30 million opening weekend. And then by next, it's like, boom, come to town here today, gone tomorrow. When I, we were kids, dude, movies would be in the theaters for like two years. Home Alone was in the theater for like, I think, two Christmases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, again, it's, the system is just set well, up different and, and not in a good way. And and I feel like we both kind of are coming off as these curmudgeon old folks. Back in my day, movies were made good, but they were. That's because, you know, if you think about it, the movies that are being made now are retreads of those movies, because those movies were made fucking well. <laughs> so, um, but... That's why so many remakes and so many reboots and whatever you want to cut, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It's an IP... And it's it's a safe bet for investors and producers, and they're going to make a few bucks. That's all that is. But let's let's make a few bucks for you. Please tell people what you've got coming. What's 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 on the books for you? Um, what are what are some movies that people 
that are out right now that people should be looking at for you because I think you're a fucking cool dude. I think that you really get it, and you know, I'm I'm always I, I like I never know, you know, what I'm gonna get into when I when I have these conversations, but I feel like like you get it, so I, I really want other people to get it as well. So where can they find you? What what movies should they look out for? Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I just wrapped a film, actually, this week called Fury of the Dragon, which is, uh, I know it sounds like a martial arts film, speaking of martial arts. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so Fury of the Dragon, and right away, they're like, oh, yeah, was that like, uh, you know, like a Jet Li or something? And I'm like, no, no, man. It's, uh, it's a really uh, crazy crime thriller. It does have martial arts in it. Really, really, uh, a lot of good fight stunt scenes and fights and all that stuff. I play a character named the Ghost Killer. Who, uh, is, you know, he's a fucking nut job. He comes off as a, he's a sadist, a racist, a sexist, a rapist. <laughs> it basically took everything that is vile about people and in the world and they put it into this one character. And, uh, I really, really dove into that and that was a lot of fun. We just got back a couple days ago, actually. We just got back from wrapping that and that'll be hitting post soon and then probably be out sometime next year. Um, there's a Facebook page for that and now I think, uh, Fury of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Check out follow progress on there, and then I'm also on Instagram. Uh, I try to get on there at least three or four times a week. Uh, if you know, if I have new stuff to put up, a lot of times I'll be on set. I'll, it'll be like BTS photos and stuff like that. Um, uh, I, I post some stuff on for that as well. But I'm on Instagram under actor Jimmy Dempster. I just recently recently started. I'm late to the party with that. Because um, dude, I was the last guy. That, like social media is like. Eh. I'm like the I was the last guy to get a MySpace page. <laughs> I I had half a mind to open a new one just for the fuck of it the other day, and then I was like, nah. I was the last guy to get that. I'm like, what do I need to be doing this for? And I didn't get it until we moved. Once you know, because it's like, dude, I'm old school. I like to go hang out with people. If I'm if I want to say, hey, what's up? I'll just go to the guy's house, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or I don't know, call him over the phone, you know. Um, so yeah, there was that, and I was I was late to get the Facebook thing too. For a while, my wife and I actually shared a Facebook page. I just never went on. I was like, I'm not into it. But knowing, doing what I'm doing now, um, I understand how important it is. So I finally, I finally broke down and got the Instagram actor Jimmy Dempster. It's my Instagram page. Um, there's two films that are actually tearing up the film festival circuit right now. Uh, one of them's called Torrent, and there's actually a website for that as well. Uh, torrentthemovie.com it's got the trailer on there it's got some behind the scenes stuff uh, synopsis breaks everything down that's a real kick ass mind fuck kind of sci-fi uh, inception like type movie really really heavy science fiction um, Messiah the film that's another one that's got a site now too that's really kicking ass on the fe- it's actually it hasn't started it's uh it's film festival run yet. Right now they're actually taking the trailer. The trailer is winning festivals. <laughs> wow. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Th- th- it, it'll have its own run as well right behind Torrent. So yeah, Torrent's winning all kind of awards. Um, they both have Facebook pages as well. Um, yeah, torrentthemovie.com and then messiahthefilm.com. Uh, and also uh, One Night of Fear, which we didn't talk about, but I meant to talk about, because uh, I watched that kind of in preparation for this. Uh, oh, yeah, nice, man. Pretty fun fucking film. Uh, you know, it is your traditional slasher, but with some subtle changes in, in the sense that 
You know, you don't really necessarily, it's not body count predicated. I mean, there is violence that happens, but it's not predicated on every 15 minutes somebody needs to die. Um, so that's, that's, you know, unique in itself because that's something that doesn't happen in the movie. It's, it's more of, you know, almost, almost as like duel, uh, but with a group of people, uh, being kind of just hunted and pursued. So that's another one. If you guys want to find one of his films that you should check out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We had a lot of fun on that, man. Um, Sometimes I could say that about movies. Sometimes I can't. But <laughs> dude, I, I I can completely get where you're going with that. Uh, but I, I want to thank you again for coming onto the show, man. I, I I had a lot of fun talking to you, um, and uh, we should do this again after uh, Fury of the Dragon comes out. Maybe we'll uh, you know have kind of a conversation about that. If if you're interested, uh, you know yeah. you you have my information. I have yours. Just keep in contact. Yeah, absolutely. You bet. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a, it was a blast, dude. And uh, that is going to do it for us. So for Jimmy Dempster and for myself again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksTheIndustry.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. Listen. With someone you trust. Tell me exactly what am I supposed to do now that I have allowed you to beat me? Do you think that we could play another game? Maybe I could win this time. Kill.